I'm in a car. I'm in a car. Oh my gosh. I like this morning, I'm like, oh my god, I just got, I got it. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I am in a car. So another episode of uh, I'm in a car. And uh, um, I'm Paul Osborne of Conestoga College, uh, voice of the home games of the Guelph Storm. Um, you know, whatever, community leader, foundation oh. board member, just all around awesome dudes. Thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Cool. Um, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm in a car really is a platform to help people, leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, learn from other people that have cut their teeth, got some scar tissue, so now you don't have to go through the same lessons and maybe do it a bit faster. Uh, so anyway, I hope everybody gets a quick tip or lesson from, from Paul and I today. So in... In, in typical fashion, we, we do a little summary. If you could just introduce yourself and kind of where you've come from and what you're up to these days. Sure, I've uh, started my uh, life in broadcasting and worked there for 14 years. Worked a lot of years at Sea Joy and Magic uh, here in Guelph, but in uh, other areas as well. And then worked for the Guelph Storm for two years. And then in 2000, went to Conestoga College to start their radio station there. And uh, that was a, a real change. Oh, cool. I didn't know you started your career at Conestoga through the radio. Yes. And then I oversaw athletics. I've been the registrar. And now I'm Associate Vice President of Marketing and Community Relations. And going back to Conestoga, I had to go back to school. You know, I had a three-year broadcasting diploma from Niagara College, which served me so amazingly well my whole life. Yeah. But I knew if I wanted to get ahead in the organization, I needed a little bit more education. And I think that's true in so much today with yeah. lifelong learning. So I've got my undergrad and a master's degree. And, and so I've been at Conestoga for 18 years and it's just most amazing place to work. Cool, man. Yeah. I get to say we change lives every day there. And that's that's what gets me up in the morning every day and it gets me excited. Well, I, I can attest to it. You know, uh, first-hand testimonial, we, we have Conestoga grads in our four walls and I'm a University of Guelph grad. No, actually not a grad yet. I'm just not alumni. I, have, I still have a couple credits to finish, but uh, yeah, Conestoga kids come career ready. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the promise is true. Yeah, that's, that's our goal is to have them, uh, you know, when... And I, and I think we, we do a good job accomplishing that, having them career ready with the connections we have in the community and with industry. Um, a lot of people don't know that every one of our programs, full-time programs, and we have over 220, uh, they have a program advisory committee where experts like yourself may sit on our media pack. Right. And twice a year, we bring these experts together with our students, our faculty, and our administration. And we say, what's happening in your industry? What do they need to know? And they'll come back and say, boy, here's the latest software we're using. Uh, sometimes in an IT program, you could have a student in first year of a four-year IT degree looking ahead to the curriculum in fourth year, and by the time they get there, that'll be outdated, right? right? So we can be nimble, and we take a lot of pride, the colleges, in being nimble and being able to change with the times. And by reaching out to industry and asking for the experts' opinion, the people who are living it every day, it doesn't only keep our students up to date, but our faculty too and professional development. So cool, man. that's something we really uh, take a lot of pride in. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I was obviously going to be one of the questions, how do you keep the classroom relevant? But I mean, the answer is right there. That's pretty neat. So um, from a from a leadership side of things, uh, you know, Conestoga College is a big organization, yeah. right? Like, it's like a city, right? Like, yeah, it's 1,200 full-time employees yeah, and a whole raft of uh, part-time employees. Yeah, big time. So when you, when you have an agenda or something that you think or you believe in strongly and you want to change it... Um, like, how do you approach making that happen in somewhat of a 
quick timeline. Mm -hmm. So I've worked in private industry and now in the, in the public sector, and it is very different. Where sometimes in private industry you can just go right. Yeah. But what I think, uh, and I've learned too, even in private industry, if you have your team with you and you take the time to really explain your goals, and I, sometimes I equate it to uh, a major league uh, baseball team. So you've got your pitching staff, and Rob, you're the seventh inning guy, I'm the eighth inning guy, and then our closer is gonna come in and do the ninth. And everyone knows that's my job, it's yeah. very clear, and that's how you move forward. At a public institution with that many people, I find that collaboration is the most important part because you need the help of everybody to move your ideas forward. Right. So you can't be an island onto yourself and expect support from other vice presidents or the right. president or other managers. So collaborating with them about your overall vision and goal is important, but with your team. Instead of just charging ahead yourself and hoping that they'll gravitate and follow, it, include them like make them part of that decision-making process and let them know their their role and then they're gonna they're gonna pick up the momentum and they're gonna feel the excitement that you have and and feel that vision you have and they will help like a wave behind you surge you forward cool. and that's gonna make it work so you know we were talking just a, a quick piece about this before we got driving um, I find that a lot of entrepreneurial organizations kind of do the former what you were referring to about just blaze ahead yeah. and hope people will latch on and, yeah. and follow and support but it's it's almost the opposite of the wave behind you surging you forward it's like you know driving a boat towing people to like come with you and when I talk to people with the idea around slowing down to speed up you know take the time to meet with people and collaborate uh, a lot of response is well I don't have the time to mm -hmm. do that and it seems very paradoxical yeah. because what they're saying without understanding I think is they don't have the time to speed up Yeah. and so what do you say to people that kind of give you that response or have that mentality around I don't have the time to take time in order to get everybody on board to go we need to get this done let's go and then they end up feeling like no one's coming with them well so, so a really good example, I think, that illustrates that is, is the process of hiring people, right? Yeah. It, we're all so busy that, that oh, i got to book three hours off for interviews, and, okay, I'll look at the, I'll really go over the resumes tomorrow, and then business happens, and you get so busy, and, and you just don't put in the proper time you need to make the right decision the first time, right? right. So there's an example of thinking, well, I, I'm not going to put a lot, maybe a lot, I've got time to do that well. And then, then like hiring people is a time sucker. Like if you don't get it right the first time, oh, you're, yeah. you're starting all over again. But I think there's this, in this, especially in an entrepreneurial way, and, and I think of things like maybe new apps or IT's thing, there's always this rush feeling that someone else is going to have this idea and if I don't get it out there right away, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to miss my opportunity. Right. And I think that drives some of the rush too. But somebody else might might have a similar idea, but I think it's the person who gives, takes the time to give it that extra thought and has that team, builds the base first. It's kind of like it's kind of like building the frame of the house before you put in the foundation right, sometimes, right? right? And sure. you get yeah, you're trying away. to build up, but That's then it's, right. it's all gonna fall down. It's gonna fall down when it really comes at the important time. So I just think being not slow, I'm not saying you have to be slow with things, but I think you have to be thoughtful and put the effort in where you're really going to pay. And I think a lot of that does with the people that you hire, that comes through there, right. and the people that you hire. Or if an entrepreneurial thing, if you have investors, you know, who are the ones that are good, solid investors that right. will help you? Yeah, that's cool. So engage the stakeholders 
and then start getting by and, and then start moving up. Don't jump ahead, that's cool. So, you know, I, I find uh, your role at the college really interesting because you have clients. Mm-hmm. Like, as uh, what's the formal title? Uh, Associate Vice President of Marketing and Community Relations. Right. So, you, so community relations, you got all these outside stakeholders. Yes. You're, you're creating perceptions and, and creating promises and letting people know what's happening at the college. Mm-hmm. Then you've also got all these clients inside the college of like the heads of all these departments who yeah. want students. Yes. So like, I, and I find that can be um, true for lots of people. Where oh, we got, we're getting a call here. That's okay. nice. Uh, it'll ring twice, and then okay. and then we're good. Um, when we're when we're talking to lots of different stakeholders, people feel like, and this happens in lots of people, getting stretched. You yeah. Know, you've got all these different top mm-hmm. priorities. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about? managing all these stakeholders and customers and you know hundreds of thousands of public perceptions as well as dozens of inter-department demands I I find for me taking 15 minutes at the beginning of my day shutting my door and just looking at, at you know what I have to do for that day that sets my mind in motion as to Okay, here, here's what my goals are for today, and here are the people I have to touch to move forward what I what I need to be done. Yeah. And so, just taking that that 15 minutes just to quietly really think out your day instead of just walking to your desk and people are flying in, and then you just get sucked into another world where it can be a, a chaotic world. I I think that's important, but I, but I think managing lots of different people, especially expectations, and in marketing, as you well know. Everyone has an opinion on marketing. Oh, yeah. Everyone has an opinion on marketing. So I, I think it is a never-ending cycle of, of communicating with people, being consistent in your communication. And whenever you get a chance to talk to, let's say, in my case, it could be the deans of the different colleges, it could be the president, it could be outside organizations. Just be consistent in, in what you say and what you believe. Right. And keep reminding them that this is why we're going to do it this way while still listening to their input, taking input that's valuable, that still fits in your overall plan as a marketing or organization for the, for the college, and then move forward, move forward with that. I think it's being able to collaborate, but still being consistent in your messaging, and just thinking about how do I continually move the vision forward. That's cool, so what's the consistent message right now from your end? Well, well you know, first of all, career-ready graduates is a, is a big part of what we do. Um, and you know, I'm doing a lot of speaking in the community based on the impact that the college has on the community. Right. And it really is striking. Conestoga, I don't think, has done a great job of telling our story. And uh, Larry Smith, who's the economics professor at University of Waterloo, did, our, did research for us. Right. And uh, he was very stunned as we were. And we looked at the local area. It was Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, and Stratford. And he found that our graduates annually contribute. $2.3 billion to the local economy. Sorry, I, I think you said billion. $2.3 billion <laughs> to the local economy. And that makes a lot of sense when we thought about it because about 70 to 75% of our first year domestic class comes from the local area. Right. So it makes sense that 64% of them settle in our area once they graduate. Right. And what's that's different from the universities where they get 12 to 17% of their first year domestic class often 
from the local area. So right. it makes sense when they graduate, many of them go home to their where yep. they've grown up and so on to start their businesses. So it's not that we're better than the universities, but in that way, we have such an impact on the local market because our graduates stay. Okay, I know you didn't say you're better than the university, so that's good. That's official. You put that on that, the That is official. <laughs> that's and massive impact. It is massive impact. And when I tell the story, and like last year alone, we had uh, 7,000 uh, inter- uh, 7, students go out on work terms. So it could be co-op, unpaid, it could be practicums in the healthcare industry. And they contributed 2 million hours of, week of work in the local community. 2 million hours. Like it's 250,000 days. That's but again, crazy. it's that... It's that partnership with business and industry that we take a lot of pride in. And they open their doors to our students. And as an applied learning institution, boy, they give them that part of their education that is crucial. And what we do is getting that real world experience. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, we have a couple of Conestoga grads. We have a Conestoga co-op right now. There, there's probably six or seven people that have yeah. been through Conestoga in our office right now. Yeah. We can go back. Yeah, you know, you look around and, you know, they, we really touch your life every day. And a lot of people don't really think about it. You know, I got got up this morning and I'm listening to the local radio station. And, and I know that's a grad from, yeah. from Conestoga, right? Oh, that's cool. And my cable, my uh, cable TV went on the fritz uh, the other night. So I had to let a guy in this morning to do it. And he was a grad of Conestoga. And then a lot of people, you know, drop the kids off at the daycare before they go yeah. to work. And the ECE grads are often from our from our place. At lunch, you maybe meet your accountant or your financial planner. And they could be Conestoga grads. That's cool. And then, you know, you're driving back to work and you see an accident. Well, the police, the fire, the paramedics, good chance they're from Conestoga. And maybe you see a, a parent at a nursing home in the evening and the nurses and the PSWs and the rec and leisure people and they could be grads of Conestoga and then you have a end your day at a beautiful restaurant and your meal cooked by a chef who's graduated from Conestoga. <laughs> so we really do touch the lives of people every day but you know a lot of people just don't put it in that context. Sure of course though no, you don't yeah. see it right? Yeah that's right. Um, but even mentioning that to somebody because it's, it's not like people walk around with Conestoga grad that's signage right. Right? That's right. so it's difficult. But Larry Smith's research is being able to bring that in and really that's show cool. us that economic impact that we have. So um, kind of related, a little bit different. Uh, we have a lot of clients that uh, are working with homeowners on like uh, construction, home building, kitchen renovations, roofing, landscaping, you know, plumbing, HVAC, you name it. Yeah. And they're struggling to get people. Like we're getting asked to stop marketing sometimes because we can't handle the business coming through the door. Yeah. What What's going on with trades? Well, it's you know, at, at, on one hand, you kind of there's still a struggle to get people into the into the programming, right? Um, and on the other hand, those that get in and get their jobs just have the most amazing lifestyle, right? Like it is a great lifestyle. And They're not a commodity, that's no. for sure. Well, I know there's a private school. It's so funny. It's the the St. John's Kilmarnock. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. someone who taught there. And, uh, and and she had a friend who was asking, he was, uh, he was a tradesperson, and he wanted to know if his kid could go to the private school to get a better life than he could. So it was interesting, she said, at the end of the day, if you stand at the front door, often it's it's the plumbing truck and the electric truck. Here are the, these people who can afford private school because they make such great uh, right. a great living. But you know what, for people and for companies that need help, uh, Conestoga, of course, as I just mentioned, as I mentioned, we have so many people out on work terms and co-op right. terms, and and uh, we do a lot of apprenticeship training, which is a different model in that they start at the company and then come to us for usually eight weeks at a time and then go back to work. So uh, we just 
we do whatever we, we can to help local business and industry. And, and trades is just such a, a tremendous route for any young person to take. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the numbers back it up as far as the quality of life you have afterwards and the, and the uh, lifestyle that you can live. But it's, it's always enrollment like lower now than it was 10, 12 years ago? No, I wouldn't say it's lower, but it's still a struggle. It's not something that fills automatically. And it's funny, you know, I look at some of our programs. So another one comes to mind is uh, supply chain management. So logistics, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always have a hard time filling that program. And consistently, it's the number one uh, salary upon graduation. Of all, so yeah. of all our programs. So you look at logistics. So you could work for a magnet, for instance, out of uh, Milton, and really logistics. A lot of people don't understand what it is, but you could work for a company where you need to get your product, which is right now leaving a Chinese factory. Yeah. And you need to get it from a truck to the port, from a boat to the over to Canada, from there onto a train, and then onto a truck, and has to arrive next Thursday or not next Thursday, but whenever it has to arrive. It's like because just in time is everything now because yeah. a lot of them don't have their own warehouses. But it's always it's interesting. A lot of the, the programs when you do your research, you can find this sort of thing that um, they're great. They're great uh, graduation rates and tremendous salaries when you when you graduate. That's cool. So what what's uh, kind of how's technology impacting the the classroom for you guys? Like how is e learning coming in or different like just anything from a technology landscape? How is it affecting? Them? I mean, I got three little kids. Yeah. And I don't really have to quite think about it, but my little guy's going to hit the school system next year. Yeah. So what what's going on in the classroom with technology at the post secondary level and, yeah. and, and college? Well, I know all college and universities are just trying to keep up, right? So we, we did a survey with uh, our students, and every student has about two and a half devices connected to our internet at any one time. Two and a half devices per student. So <laughs> it is. A, so you got like a phone, maybe a watch, yeah, a laptop, and you got your laptop or a tablet, yeah. and uh, and so it it's so we're always like Wi-Fi is a big thing, right? You're, you're doing that, but I mean in the classroom we have a lot of programs now that are completely e-text. Okay. And so e-text is great because it's a lot cheaper. It's about yeah. half the price than having to buy a textbook. And it's something that once you buy, you own too. So that's great. And some, if you if it's really important, you can keep it on a device and refer to it for quite a few years uh, after. But the other thing is how we design our classroom. I was just talking to our facilities guy. And now to to build a classroom for 32 people, it costs between thirty dollars and $40,000 because of all the, every every seat now needs a plug, at right. least one plug and somewhere to charge. Right. And students, you know, especially at Conestoga, which is an applied learning institution, there's so much collaborative teamwork that gets done. Right. Whenever we build a new space, whether it's a rec center or a, or a library, they say the number one request from students is collaboration space. Right. So from a technology standpoint, you know, you want rooms with big screen TVs and all the all the all the toys that you need to put together a first class presentation, right. plus enough to 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 run all their equipment that they're bringing with them as well. So just having a place to sit, plug in, is is a really important thing for students. And like, what a you know tiny little detail that has massive infrastructure implications. Oh, massive! <laughs> and it, like our classes now, a lot of them are bring your own device, so right. you bring your own laptop and. 
and but you need a place you can't you can't assume a laptop's going to stay charged all day or no, of course not. or that a student's going to remember to charge it the night before so you need charging stations and all your classrooms have to be retrofitted to have a place to uh, to plug in and, and yeah. get connected and, and when i asked the question i didn't think that was the direction of the answer yeah. at all but it's so vital yeah you know? it is and it, and it costs a lot of money to, to outfit those classrooms like sure that. Yeah. not to mention the interruption of actually having to like do it yes yeah that's yeah. huge um, so you mentioned you're, you guys are going in Brantford. What's, so what's that all about? So we're really, uh, we've been in Brantford now, but in a, we've only had about 100 uh, domestic students there. Right. And so we're looking at international growth is booming at all post-secondary institutions. So we, we have students, uh, and Canada is a, is a number one destination to come. Uh, there's a bit of the Trump effect there with yeah. a lot of international students not feeling maybe as comfortable to go to the U.S., and so uh, one thing we're looking at Brantford is bringing in more students, more domestic, but also international students, which we don't have there yeah. uh, right now. So we'll be bringing them in for the fall. And like I say, colleges are very adaptable and we, we go on the fly, like 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Let's not get too worried about all the details. <laughs> and uh, But we'll get it done and we'll, we'll figure it out, right? And so, so I'm just down there overseeing the project and have that expansion. And we'll be partnering with Laurier University down there, as we will in Milton. It was just announced a few weeks ago that uh, that Milton and, and in Milton Laurier and Conestoga will partner on a new, brand new university campus. Cool. And, and university college campus. So that's uh, that's going to be exciting. And we really want to expand here in, in Guelph as well. Yeah. Okay. We really want to add uh, more seats here. Right now we have one campus on Speedbell Avenue, which yeah. is more of a trades, a motive power trades campus. Yeah. But we'd like to offer more programming in the business and health area in Guelph to service this community. So, so you got some work to do. We got some work to do. It's ever expanding and ever growing. So, uh, what, what do you say to business owners, managers, recruiters uh, when it comes to recruitment and hiring? Like, uh, one of the biggest things, and we we alluded to it earlier, but mm-hmm. you know, taking the time to hire properly, uh, it's just so it's so important. You know, if anything, it's been the it's been the make or break of any of the successes we've had. Yeah. You know, getting the right people oh. and, and and having best practice recruitment practices Absolutely. in place. So is there any tips that you give to employers on how to recruit well? Well, so we, at the college, I I would say connect with the college. Like we have a career development area, co-op area where they work with uh, employers. And if you haven't thought of hiring a co-op student before, I think it's a really good idea. And it's a great experience for our students to get real world uh, experience. Yeah. But it's also fabulous for the employer. It's like a test drive in many ways, right? Oh, yeah, big time. You know, you get that student, and as you mentioned, you have one there now. You get to see how they operate. Do they fit into your culture? Uh, are they hardworking? How can I... Do they take my direction? And are they getting better all the time? So that really eliminates so much of the guesswork that goes into interviews when you're staring at a piece of paper. Yeah, it's like dating before you get engaged. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Seriously, it, it really it's is. the same idea. And so there's a, a lot of opportunity there. We also have a huge career fair. We have the largest career fair, and we actually team with Laurier and Waterloo. And that it's the biggest career fair in Canada among post-secondary institutions. And often is at Conestoga that we host it. And that's a great opportunity to get to meet our students. They come around with their resumes, and you can sign a hand pick and do a little pre-scouting yourself as yeah. you as you as you talk to them. So I, I really think being connected with the college, maybe being on a program advisory committee, is another way to be connected and and get some insight into into our students and what they're learning. 
there's there's a lot of ways that I think you can help uh, your own in business intelligence sure. by finding out what's there. And if you, it's like getting to the supermarket at 8 a.m. when it's full of fruit and vegetables and they've all just been laid out as opposed to getting there at 9 o'clock at night when yes. you're picking what's left over. Yeah. If you have your hands in there and you're tied a little bit, you're going to get, you know, the really, the cream of the crop and, you know, have a great understanding of why a certain student might be a better fit for your organization. That's that's really, really cool feedback. And um, I, yeah, I couldn't echo or emphasize how important what you just said was there. So maybe you could just provide a little bit of direction in terms of how someone goes about doing that. Yeah. So if you go uh, just to our the Conestoga website and, and, uh, and search for a career in, in co-op, yep. it'll it'll pop right up and all the people that you'll want to talk to will be there. There'll be all the contact information. Simple. And just start just start it with an email and uh, and then that relationship builds over time. And you know, it's not unusual for companies to come to us and say, hey, we've got an opening. Uh, can you can you fill this with a graduate? You know, not just our current students, yep. but they're looking for grads. Do you, do you know of any grads who are looking or you know that are you know maybe want to change or, or have shown an interest in this particular area this is the direction we're going and so it's that relation that one-on-one -one, yep I just know the guy I know you're that's be perfect. huge and it's a big it's a big uh, time saver and it just to me hiring is about risk uh, as much uh, 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 much risk as I can eliminate in the process sure. the better it is for me absolutely and that's totally true because it is a risky endeavor it is because if you bring on the wrong person like you said before you end up going three, six, nine, 12 months, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't work out. It's not good for anybody. You have to start all over again, and the cost of that is just massive. Yeah, it is massive. It, and it's the time in hiring. Well, everyone knows, right? It is difficult. So if you've got any any leads or any any help that uh, can can help that decision or speed it along and take away the risk in hiring the, the, the wrong person, then, uh, then I think it's really valuable. No doubt. So uh, you're like involved in the community big time. Uh, yeah. Your Guelph Storm, Voice of the Storm. How long have you been doing that for? Oh, since 1991, and I've written in the Guelph Mercury Tribune since, like, the late 80s. I yeah. still write a weekly column there, and I love Guelph. Yeah. Like, I I just think this is the most amazing city. I grew up just east of Oshawa, a little place called Curtis, moved here in 1984, uh, raised my family here, and, and I just, I think we have the, the perfect mix of culture and sports and activities and you know, we care about the environment in this city, and and I'm, you know, as you mentioned, we're on the hospital foundation board. I think yeah. we have an incredible hospital here, and you know, as you live in a community for a long time, and the hospital is an example. Your three children are are born in that hospital, and oh, yeah. face some illnesses in in your life with family members, and it just, it's it's one of those things that's always there when you need it, and and uh, that's why I like to give back. The Children's Foundation I do a lot of work with, and Hospice well, uh, Wellington, yeah, I'd, I'd like to volunteer and do some work for them too. So I just think we have an incredible community here, and it always amazes me when you, you reach out for help. It's just, everyone just comes together. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a cool spot. Though. It is very great. So if you were to go back and tell yourself something 18 years ago, as you started this leadership journey at Conestoga, um, as about something that you know now that you wish you had known then, what would it have been? I, th I think it is, uh, don't, be don't be afraid to empower people. Like if you've gone through the hiring process and you've got the right person, let them run with some things and, and let them make mistakes. Like, you know, not mistakes that are gonna bring down the organization or put you in a lawsuit, but it's okay, <laughs> you know, they'll just let them, let them make the odd mistake and give them that trust and just say, okay, what did we learn from that? Sit down with them after and say, well, you know, what did we learn from 
from that mistake. And, and, uh, and I think that is how you build future leaders is right. You learn more often from your mistakes than you do from your successes. And, uh, I, I think that's one thing is just being able to let go a little bit more then when I first started, I was just so afraid that somebody would make a mistake and our department would look bad and, right. you know, but then you think, no, let's just, just let it go. And, and it's amazing. You have to trust that you've, you have put in the work, you've hired the right person and they're going to make, they're going to make a really good decision because often they'll come up with ideas that aren't your style or right. not what you do, but let it, let it go. And then I, I learn a lot from them. That's what you find out by letting go a little bit is cool. that you learn a lot from other people. Right. I, I love the idea that you just said at the end there about it might not be my style or what I would do, yeah. but let it happen yeah. and who knows, maybe you'll learn something. Yeah, and, and hopefully they learn a lot too and they learn some from you. So I really think having a great conversation and I really do believe, you know, at Conestoga because uh, we're a big institution, we're, we're a public institution, we do at least once a year sit down and have a real good job evaluation. And you know, I just talked about somebody yesterday and, and I really believe too, and don't miss an opportunity to tell someone they've done a good job. Right. Like that's so powerful. And so there's, powerful. There's a, there's a really cool study done by Gallup Poll International. Mm -hmm. uh, they have these 13 questions that they've done with thousands of workers, mm -hmm. tens of thousands of workers all over the, the world. And the number one question that has a low rating universally across all cultures is someone has told me I've done a good job in the last seven days. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It just doesn't happen. doesn't happen. Yeah. And how easy is that? That's easy. It's like a smile, right? Yeah. Uh, just a smile at someone as they walk by, but just to, to be always looking for an opportunity just to say, boy, you hit it out of the park, or that was a great idea at that meeting. And, and that's why sitting down at least, you know, the once a year is when you can really give your thought to it and really tell them why they're such an important part of an organization and I'm glad we have that but I mean a week shouldn't go by if they've done something great that you haven't just said boy that, that was really nice yeah. and that's and, and yeah, other studies I've seen too that's more valuable to them than a race cool. like in the end it's just to feel like they're part of the team feel like they're contributing to the team and they're making a difference and that's the power I think of building a, a tremendous team cool man Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. It was okay, fun. Cheers. Yeah. See you guys.